Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. I think all of us could agree that when God gives to each of us our abilities, he does it so that we can give of our best to the master. When God gifted B.J. Walker, he definitely gave him the gift of communication, and B.J. Walker used it to the best of his ability. This sermon was preached in 2005 in North Carolina at the Carolina Christian Camp, and it's titled, The Rich Young Ruler. I know you're going to enjoy this wonderful sermon. Take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fire. Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? He said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father, thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, complete, go, sell that thou hast, give to the poor, thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. He had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. This character tonight, this young man in our scripture reading has been called the rich young ruler. Um, I noticed several things about this, this fellow that comes to Jesus. Um, one thing about him, he has manhood. He's a young man, evidently healthy, well off. One scripture says he comes running to Jesus. That's a good way to come, isn't it? He comes running, comes running to Jesus. Um, he, has, uh, he has manners, not only manhood, but he has manners. When he come before the master, he knelt. He had manners. Um, he had morals. He said, all these things have I kept from my youth, and Jesus didn't deny that. I've not murdered. I've not done any of these things. He, he had morals. He was a moral young man. And I noticed also he had money. He had great possessions. Jesus told him exactly what to do. He knew the price, the cost. But when he heard the terms of it, he was grieved. He was sad. And he turned away, walked away from the master, sad and grieved. But it said Jesus loved him. He went away from the master his priorities were all mixed up. His priorities were wrong. Like many today, their priorities are all messed up, messed up tonight. But what I want to call your attention to tonight is the statement, when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? And I'd like to give you 
four thoughts on this text of Scripture. Not This is new truth to me. I've talked on it, I think, maybe a couple of times. Who then can be saved? And I believe that's a question that deserves an answer. Who can be saved? Uh, you know, somebody was talking to me about that needle's eye. What about that needle's eye? Somebody has suggested maybe it was that wicked gate in the, in the major gate there at Jerusalem when it was locked for the night. A late traveler would come in with his camel and uh, they could open that wicked gate, that wicked gate, and the old camel would have to get on his knees and the lord of that camel would have to unload him. Then he would crawl through on his knees. Somebody said that's what it means. I was talking with a man not long ago. He said that's not what it means. It is a literal needle. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Take either one you want to take. Who then can be saved? I'd like to try to give you a scriptural answer tonight. Let me say it like this. All can be saved. All could be saved. Anybody, anywhere can be and should be saved. There isn't a person here tonight that could not be saved. There's not a man on earth tonight that Jesus didn't die for that could not be saved. Oh, now, Brother Walker. Now, listen, if I was a Calvinist tonight, if I was a, if I was a um, hyper-Calvinist, you know what I would say? If you are one of the elect, you could be saved. Or if you are one of those whom the Father has predestinated from past eternity, then you can be saved. But if you're not, you can't be. And these people teach... Uh, these people also teach a limited atonement. That Jesus did not die for everybody. He only died for those that are elect. If you're not one of the elect, then he didn't die for you. A limited atonement. And uh, they also teach a bound will. Your will is bound and there's not a thing you can do about it. And they also teach the final perseverance of the saints, better known as eternal security. Once saved, there's nothing you can do to be unsaved. You may lose your fellowship, but not your relationship. I don't preach a gospel like that. I believe the Bible teaches that anybody, everybody, anywhere in the world can become a Christian. Nobody's shut out. Nobody's exempted. Nobody is denied. I'm glad he didn't exclude me. Little old B.J. Walker, penniless, and just a nobody. You know what I told somebody the other day? I said, I'm a nobody telling everybody about somebody that can save anybody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, you say, Brother Walker, prove it. Listen, the golden text of the Bible, what does it say? Listen to the scripture tonight. God so loved the world. The world. That he gave his only begotten son that the elect or the predestinated might. What are you shaking your head for? Not any what he says, is it? That whosoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever, whosoever. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Well, hallelujah. When he said, whosoever will, that included me. That includes you. And if the devil told you it's for them but not for you, just show him that. Write your name above it, below it, and both ends of it. The devil, read that right there. That includes me. Well, praise God. You know what the angel said to the shepherds? I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto the elect. What? shall be unto all people. For unto you is born this day a Savior. <laughs> a Savior has been born. Hallelujah. Shall be to all people. Guess who's going to be in heaven? John said, I saw a multitude that no man could number. Even Einstein couldn't count them. From every tribe, nation, kindred, and tongue on of every race on the face of the earth. White men, black men, red men, yellow men, 
Praise God from every nation on the face of the earth. Glory to God. You can be saved tonight if you will be. Well, how about this scripture? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to the elect. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That's what it's in there. It's in the King James Version. How about this one? That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That he, by the grace of God, might taste death for every man. My friend, if you're here tonight not a Christian, I want you to know Jesus Christ has done tasted death for you so that you won't have to taste it. Praise God for that. Well, uh, and the scripture says, who would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? Well, hallelujah. To me, that's good news. Who would have all men, all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? How can people get around that? How can they deny that? Unless I'm reading wrong, and I don't think I am. Well, the Bible says he is the propitiation for our sins, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Praise God for the sins of the whole world. There's not a man on earth that he didn't die for, tasted death for. Wants every human being on earth tonight to be saved. Praise the Lord forever. It is not His will that any perish, but that all should come to repentance. All, all come to repentance. And over in Revelation, the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. Let him that is a thirst come. John, put this in there. And whosoever will, let him come and take the water of life freely. Whosoever, let him come if he's thirsty and take the water of life freely. Friend, you can drink as deeply as you want to. You been drinking today? I want to ask you folks a question. Has, uh, has the water in your well moved at all today? It's a good question, and it deserves an answer. Has the water in your spiritual well moved at all today? Well, you know, we used to sing, it's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my soul. And I'll tell you another song we used to sing, uh, my, uh, my cup is running over, you know. Today, you know what we sing? Fill my cup, Lord. You say my cup is full and running over. Today, we sing, fill my cup, Lord. How about this one? And I'm through with these. Come unto me, all that are elect, all that are predestinated. Come unto me. And what he said, come unto me, all you, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will rest you. I will give you rest. Well, hallelujah, I came, and I'm enjoying that rest he gave me tonight. This, honey, this is not a myth. This is not a fairy tale. This is reality. I found it so. And you were singing about being satisfied tonight. I was thinking, dear old brother George Burris, one of my favorite preachers years ago, he said, bless God, he said, I'm a suffering with satisfaction. Has <laughs> God, he said, I can feel the power shooting off the ends of my fingers. And I believe he could. I heard him preach one time on the resurrection of Jesus. And brother, he had so much power on him, he couldn't stand up. He had to pull up the piano stool and sit out. He couldn't stand up under the power. <laughs> we could use some of that in this day, couldn't we? Preacher, who can be saved? Anybody, every person on the face of the earth tonight. I don't, when you look a man in the face, remember Jesus died for that man and shed his blood for that man and wants that man to repent and be saved and make heaven his home. You don't have to walk away from anybody. Rich, poor, 
learned, unlearned, black or white, yellow, I don't care. God loves that man. <laughs> How deep the Father's love goes beyond all measure that I, a sinful wretch, should be his precious treasure. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. That he looks at me as a precious treasure. They may think we're stupid and we're off in the head and a lot of things, but he said, in that day when I make up my jewels, in that day when I make up, God looks at you as one of his jewels. And we'll shine as the stars of the morning, his bright crown adorning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. You talk about movie stars, honey, they're going to pass away. But not the soul winner. He'll shine as the stars of the morning forever and forever. <laughs> and so then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in my Father's kingdom. Someday, my friend, when God turns the glory on you, you will shine brighter than the noonday sun. Glory. It'll be glory. <laughs> Just as sure as you're sitting here tonight, it's going to happen. And it ain't going to be long, honey. Ain't going to be long. Now, the next question I want to look at is this. When can one be saved? That question deserves an answer. When can a person be saved? Well, let's let me give you a... Well, let me just give you a thought or two on that. Well, you can't be saved yesterday. Can you? You can't be saved yesterday. You can't be saved tomorrow. Because you see, today is yesterday's tomorrow. Yesterday's gone. When tomorrow gets here, it'll be today. So you can't get saved yesterday and you can't get saved tomorrow. Well, when, I get, when can I get saved, preacher? Today. Today. You may not even be here tomorrow. I may not be here tomorrow. But I do have this precious moment. <laughs> you have this, you have this, you know Jesus may not pass your way again. And open your heart and let him come in. My friend, you will find him to be your dearest friend. <laughs> I wouldn't want to live without him. Wouldn't want to be without him. Wouldn't want to live without him. Surely I wouldn't want to die without the master. Hallelujah forever. No, no. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. When, preacher? Today. What is today anyway? What's the date? The 11th? The 11th day of June. Today. Now. When is now? It's right this moment. You say, well, I... I couldn't get saved sitting in my seat, could I? Uh-huh. I couldn't get sanctified sitting in my seat, could I? Uh-huh. Where'd the thief on the cross get saved? Church? Camp meeting? At the altar? <laughs> he couldn't even kneel. I mean, he didn't, he didn't know theology either. He was a thief. He was dying. This is one case of real deathbed repentance. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. <laughs> that did the work. That did the job. He said the right thing. Lord, remember me. And in death he remembered the thief hanging by his side. And then he took him to paradise. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, you know Saul of Tarsus? The great persecutor of the church. By the way, did you know? Did you know that Saul of Tarsus was born a preacher? He was born to preach. Who separated me from my mother's womb to be a preacher of the gospel? Who would have ever dreamed that Saul of Tarsus, whose hands was dripping with the blood of the saints, God was going to call him to be a preacher of the gospel and write how many? Thirteen of the of the epistles of the New Testament. Nobody would ever have guessed it. And I said, I ain't going to pray for that man. I said, I heard about him. 
The Lord said, you go pray for him, Ananias. He is a chosen vessel. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, I want to meet, I want to meet old Paul when I get home. There's several people I really want to meet and talk to. I want to meet, I want to meet Fanny Crosby. Dear old blind Fanny. She said, just think, Jesus will be the first person I'll ever see. Blind all my life, he'll be the first one I'll ever see. <laughs> Whoopee, won't that be something? <laughs> to be the first person but Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bless his name today. And, and, and you know, um, when Paul was testifying to old Felix, uh, you know what Felix said for him? Listen, Paul, I, I, I'm, I'm a busy man and I'll call for you when I have a more convenient season. Paul left, and as far as I know, Felix never had a convenient season. You know what old King Agrippa said? Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I wouldn't that you were not only almost, but altogether such as I am, except these chains I have around my wrist. I wish you'd just like me. <laughs> and I'll tell you, people, you have to persuade people. You have to persuade people. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade people, Paul said. You have to be persuaded. We sing that song, almost persuaded now to believe. I know you maybe threaten them and all of that, but friend, you've got to persuade people. And I had to become persuaded, almost. And then I became altogether persuaded. This is what B.J. Walker had better do. Scared to death, ignorant as I could be but realizing I was a poor, lost, wretched, miserable sinner, and if I kept going the way I was going, hell would be my home forever. And I'd, I'd had enough sadness and sorrow, and dis I said, I don't want to go there. And I heard I could go to heaven. I'm so glad, I'm so glad, though I was scared to death when I stepped out of that, out of that seat and made my shaky way down to that little crude altar and repented and gave my heart to God. The best thing I ever did! Amen. Oh my goodness, help us to help us today, Lord. Uh, you know, uh, you know when Jesus was going through Jericho, as two people got got real help from the Lord. I don't know multitudes were thronging Jesus, but as far as I know, only two got help. You can you can throng Jesus and not get any help, like the uh, woman with the issue of blood. Peter said, the multitudes throng you. Who do you why do you say somebody touched me? While people just shoving and pushing. No, he said, somebody touched me. <laughs> you can come to camp meeting and just sit here with a throng, with a multitude, and leave and not get a thing. He said, how do you know somebody? Well, he said, I felt virtue go out of me. And the Bible says she felt that plague was healed. And it... But he, he, was going through, he was going through Jericho and there was an old blind beggar sitting by the wayside. What was his name? Barnabas? What was his name? Bartimaeus. Old blind Bartimaeus. Sitting there begging. Alms. Could you give a poor blind man a, a quarter today? <laughs> sitting there wrapped in his rags begging. It's all the way. It's been that way all of his life. But he heard a noise. He heard a crowd coming his way. He said, who is it? Who's passing by? And somebody said, Jesus of Nazareth. Pastor, oh, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, Jesus. Have mercy on me. And it said, Jesus stopped. <laughs> the cry of mercy got his ear. And somebody said, said uh, he calling for you. You know what he did? He cast away his old beggarly garment. And they brought him to Jesus. He said, what do you want me to do, sir? He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. He said, be healed. And immediately his eyes is open. And he said, my goodness. And the Bible said he followed Jesus in the way. Praise God he followed Jesus. Got his eyes open. Was healed. And there's another fellow in that town got some help. He was a little fellow. He was a tax collector. He worked for the IRS. Everybody hated him. He's a tax collector. Little Little uh, Zacchaeus, wasn't that his name? A wee tiny man. And the Jews looked at him as a traitor. He was working for the hated government, Roman government, probably sticking some extra money in, in his pocket, you know, stealing 
overcharging the people taxes like they did me one time. Yeah, they did. They, 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 they charged me money I didn't even know. And I talked to my tax man later. He said, BJ, they operate on two principles, ignorance and fear. I said, yeah, Bob, they got me on both of them. <laughs> and I'm still hurting for that. Scared as I've ever been in my life. Thought I was going to lose my home and everything I had. But he was a tax collector. But he wanted to see Jesus, who he was. <laughs> He wanted to see him, but he, he couldn't see Jesus for the people. He was short, small of stature, and he just couldn't see for people. So he said, I know what I'll do. He started running down the street, and he saw a sycamore tree. And he shinned up that sycamore tree and climbed, climbed out on a limb and so he could see Jesus as he passed by. When Jesus got right under that sycamore tree, he said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at your house. When, Lord? Today. Today I'm going to abide at your house. And guess what? Old Zacchaeus started shimming down that tree. And it says he received Jesus joyfully. Woo! Joyfully. I think he had a little shouting spell. And you know, from the time he left that limb till his feet hit the ground, old Zacchaeus had old-time religion. How do you know, preacher? Lord, Lord. At this point, he's now Lord. If I have taken anything from anybody by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. This day has salvation come to this house. Jesus testified for it. said, he's got it. And you see a man willing to make restitution and, and make things right with his fellow man, mark it down. That man's got old-time religion. When's a good time to get saved, preacher? Today, right now. Song said, he called me long before I heard, before my sinful heart was stirred. But when I took him at his word, forgiven, he lifted me. From sinking sand, he lifted me. With tender hand, he lifted me. Now in a higher plane I dwell with my soul. I know it's well, for he lifted me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah on a Saturday night. Now, now here's another question. Uh, how, how, how can one be saved? Who can be saved? Anybody. When can anybody be saved? Now, today. Um, but how can one be saved? That's a good question. It deserves an answer. I don't know what you would say. Well, let me tell you what won't save you. Weeping won't save you. Not a, thought, but not a thing wrong with crying, not a thing wrong with weeping, not a thing wrong with shedding tears, but you can shed 10 gallon tears that still won't save you. Weeping will not save you. I remember a young fellow come to our, our church and kind of emotional boy, and he come to the altar, and man, I'm telling you, I think Brother Paul West was our in camp meeting in our church, and man, I'm telling you, he, he was weeping, and he was sobbing, and he grabbed the altar, and I think he tore it loose from the floor. I mean, he, I mean, he had an emotional fit. One week later, he didn't have a thing. Tell you. Who was it said, could my tears forever flow? Could my zeal no longer know? These for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. Amen. Weeping won't save you. And further, more than that, my friend, tonight, waiting, waiting won't save you. Just waiting. And that's, that, that's going to damn a lot of people. Wait, 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 wait. Delay, procrastinate, procrastinate. Put it off. Wait. Wait till the next camp meeting. Wait, wait till the next church revival. Then I'll, then I'll do something. But not this one. Not tonight. No, I'm going to wait. My friends, why do you wait, dear brother? What do you hope to gain by a further delay? There's no one can save you but Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God. Praise God. And another thing the scripture clearly brings out, works will not save you. That's where a lot of people, did you know something? All false religions are religions 
based on works. You've got to do something, go somewhere, give something, do something to get saved. The Muslims have to, they have to do, they have to do five things. One of the things they have to do in their lifetime is go to Mecca, make a long trip to Mecca. And they pray five times a day on a plane, on a train. They'll prostrate themselves on the street. They've got to pray toward Mecca five times a day. How many times have you prayed today? How many times have I prayed today? But you've got to do something. No, no, my friends, listen. Listen to this. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any should boast. Not of works, not of works. You know, if a man could do enough works and work his way to heaven, when, when he got there, that's all you'd hear. I'm going to tell you what I did to get here. Man, I did this, and I did that, and I went there, and I gave this, and I suffered this, and I, I, and I tell you, that brag, we'd all brag and boast what we did to get there. You just don't know how much money I put in the offering. Honey, none of us will boast about that. When we get there, we'll just say, saved by grace. Say, preacher, what is grace? Unmerited love and favor of God. Freely bestowed on all who believe. Did something you don't deserve. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's just given to you as the gift of God. And he offers this grace to every human being on the face of the earth tonight. And I praise God for that. I praise God for that. Well, it's a gift of God. Repent and believe the gospel. That's the, the, really, there's two simple steps to getting saved. Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. You know what the heart of the gospel is? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the heart of the gospel. He died for me, li- living, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising for, he Rising for he justified forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day. Repent and believe the gospel. <clears throat> you ever wonder why we have to get saved by faith? I mean, you can just pray and pray and pray and cry and cry and cry and cry and make restitution, do all kinds of things. But my friend, there has to come that point where you trust God. You believe God's word. You lean heavily on God. You, you trust His promise. You embrace Him. You trust Him. Most of the time we want to feel before we can trust. But he that believeth on the Son hath the witness in himself. You'll never get the assurance until you take that leap of faith. Because the re- one reason why we're justified by faith is because man left God through unbelief and disbelieving God's word. God said, said, now, certain thing, don't eat this fruit. If you do, you'll die. The devil said, no, you won't. And man believed the devil's lie instead of God's truth. Man departed through unbelief. And if he ever gets back to God, he has to come to that point where he'll believe God, God's word. Feelings come and go, emotions will yo-yo up and down. But I'm telling you, friends, God's word says the same yesterday, today, and forever. It'll never change. Anchor your faith in the word of God. <clears throat> well, let's look at the last one. You look like you're enjoying this so good. Here's a good question. How, how can I know that I'm saved? How can I know? And I think, we're, I think our churches have got a lot, of, a lot of people in them, good people, moral people, good people, meaning well, but they don't know. They don't have any assurance they're saved. They really don't know. You listen to testimonies, especially in this day and time in which we live. Most testimonies are very vague. Um, nothing definite. Um, kind of... You know, well, I just want to thank the Lord for his goodness to me. He's been so good to me. He supplied my needs. And, and you know, he's just, he just, he just so good to me. Thank the Lord. And, you know, praise the Lord. He, he, uh, he helped me get a new car yesterday. And 
I'll tell you, I'm just, I just, just thankful for everything He's done for me. Thank the Lord I had that wreck and didn't get killed. And, and I listen. I listen to testimonies in our church. And when I go to meetings, I listen to the testimonies. And many, many, many. In fact, most of them are very foggy and uncertain. And I never hear them say, "Praise God, I'm saved." And I know when I got saved, and I know. Where I got saved and old time religion's real in my heart tonight. How can I know I'm saved? Well, can you know? You know what John Wesley said? I met more opposition and more persecution preaching on the doctrine of assurance than I did preaching Christian perfection. The churches in England did not believe and the preachers did not preach that anybody could know for sure and for certain that they were saved. He said, that's where I met my opposition, preaching blessed assurance. You can only hope, only guess, and only wish, and you'll never know till you stand in the judgment whether you made it or not. Wouldn't that be awful? Wouldn't that be awful to live and die like that, not knowing until you get to the judgment whether you're right or not? Well, preacher, how can I know? Tell me real quick. I want to know. Number one, we, the Bible says, the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Who tells me that? The preacher, the evangelist, my wife, my neighbor, no, the Holy Spirit bears witness with, not to, but with my spirit that I'm a child of God. Is the under, everybody understands that. And I tell you, we should never stop praying and seeking, friend, until the Holy Spirit gives us that assurance. Now, John Wesley said, John Wesley said that, that, that um, there, there should be two witnesses because the Bible said at the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. He said there must be two. You must have that direct witness which is inside of you, inward in your heart. But then he said there must be that external witness which is the fruit of the Spirit. That's so you won't be deceived. You can say, well, praise God, I'm saved because I have the inward witness. But what about the fruit? How do I know it's an apple tree? It's got apples on it. How do I know it's a peach tree? It's got peaches on it. So, so, so when I have this inward assurance, lest I be deceived, then there's love, peace, joy, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith against such there is no law. So if, if we have the inward witness of the Spirit and then we're bearing the outward fruit of the Spirit, friend, we've got the goods. I ain't got a PhD, but I can see that. I can understand that. The witness of the Spirit. Well, there's another way we can know. We know we have passed from death to life because we are saved or not. You should do that anyway. That's biblical. We know we have passed from death to life because we what? Brother Lank, say it out loud. We love the brethren. How many? All of them. Don't say you have to understand all the brethren, but you got to love all the brethren. Some of them are hard to understand. Some of you never will understand. Some of you will never agree with on everything. But you love your brethren. We're brethren. We're brethren. You know why we're in the family? We're all in the same family. We all have a common father, and we're brethren. I was thinking old Mark Hunter up in West Virginia took me out. I was in a, with him in a meeting, and he took me out for lunch one day, and he sort of told me a little bit of his life story. Large, large family. The Hunter family was a large family. The daddy was a coal miner, about six foot four, macho, mean as the devil, full of the devil. And I think maybe Mark was the youngest of the kids. I don't know, maybe five or six boys and three or four girls and he said, B.J., I remember one day my daddy pulled out a gun which threatened to blow my brother's brain, my mother's brains out and kill all of us kids. He said, I hated my daddy. He said, I hated him. 
Well, you couldn't really blame him. He didn't know God. I mean, Mark got into liquor and just gambling, fighting. All that crowd was a bunch of fighters and people scared to death of them around uh, there in West Virginia. I mean, they were mean rascals. But uh, the, one day, somebody got the Hunter family, began to pray for the Hunter family. And Glenn, the oldest brother, got saved. And God burdened him for his arrest of his brothers. He began to pray. One by one, they began to get saved. One by one, they began to get saved. Now, Mark, he's getting under conviction. He's under conviction. He's in his home. He's rolling in the floor. He's foaming at the mouth. The powers of hell have got hold of him. The Holy Ghost has got hold of him. He's an awful fix. I'd like to see some more people get in an awful fix. He causes, he said, Glenn, I need help. I'm in I'm bad shape, Glenn. Can you come over here and see me? I'm an awful mess. He said, come over here. Well, Glenn went and got one of the other brothers and they jumped in the car and sped across town running through red lights and stop signs and run in and found old Mark lying in the living room floor just a rolling and a tossing and a groaning and a crying and a pleading. And Glenn got on one side of him and the brother got on the other side. They began to pray and fought the devil and pled the blood and pled the name of Jesus. In about 30 minutes, why, they quit praying and everything got quiet. Mark, he quit praying. They all slowly get to their feet. And Glenn looked at his youngest baby brother and said, said, Mark, are you saved? He said, I love my daddy. <laughs> that was his testimony. I love my daddy. And before that, he hated his daddy. But at the moment Jesus came in, he said, I love my daddy. <laughs> It'll work that way. It really does. I was up there one day and his daddy sitting on that little high point. He said, hi, daddy, I love you. As he walked by, we walked, he said, daddy, I, I love you. He said, way up there. And I think most of the Hunter family got in. Some of them have done gone to heaven. Mark liked to got killed in an awful wreck and nearly died. But he survived and want me for a meeting. And I, I got to go up and oh, turn him loose a meeting if I can. Amen. Well, we know that because we love the brethren. Well, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. You have the inner witness of the Spirit. You love the brethren. You begin to love people instead of hate people. And now you have peace with God. Friends, that's wonderful. It's not that dread and fear because you're forgiven, you're saved, you're born again, being justified. That means just as if I'd never sinned. The record's clean. The slate is wiped clean. There's nothing against me. God has nothing against me. Everything I ever did wrong is forgiven and forgotten. My record's clear today for he washed my sins away and that old account was settled long ago. Well, that's a wonderful thing, brother. You don't have to have a penny in your pocket to have this. Jesus wants you to have this. He left heaven and made provision that you could have this and know it and enjoy it all the days of your life. Well, hallelujah. I'm not preaching something that's not. It's the truth, people. Now listen, um, therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. That means there's no judgment. That condemnation means there's no judgment. There's no judgment. No condemnation. Well, hallelujah. We're passed from death to life. We'll never be judged for our sins. We'll be judged for our works and get our reward. But our sins are, our sins have done been judged, bless God. We come to the judgment. The, the, the high surf of the sky arrested us and brought us to court. And we stood before the judge and said, God, I'm guilty. How do you plead? Guilty. I'm exactly what you said I am. I've done everything you said I've done. And I'm not trying to hide a thing. God, I'm, I'm a sinner. I broke your law. I deserve to die. But I beg for mercy. Forgive me. He said, write his name down in the Lamb's Book of Life. <laughs> Justified. No condemnation. I used to be scared of the cops. I'd see one coming, I'd get to the other side. I well, I, 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 I ain't going to lie about it. I still don't like to see that blue light behind me. <laughs> 
I'll be honest with you. I see it coming. I say, oh, me. Oh, me. My heart begins to palpitate. Then when he goes by me, I call that blessed relief. <laughs> when he goes by me and don't pull me over, that's relief, my friend. I like that feeling. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now, here's the last one. Therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is what? A new creature or a new creation. Why is that? You have you are in Christ Jesus. Now, in is a preposition, and it has to do with relationship. The moment you're saved, you're in Christ. That means at that moment, my friend, you at that point have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And because you're sons, God has sent his spirit into your heart crying, Abba or Daddy or Papa. Abba. Father. <laughs> He's a good father. How deep the Father's love for us goes beyond all men. What manner of love hath the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God? <laughs> Children of the Most High God. What a family we're in, folks. This is provided for every human being on the face of the earth tonight. Think about it. Every, every black man in Africa tonight can have this. Every Russian tonight can have it. Every Chinese in Peking, Peking China can have this tonight. Down at Old Castro, if you'd repent and believe on you, Old Castro can have old-time religion. All those Iraqis are dying by the thousands, going to hell. They don't know Jesus. They don't have a Savior. They don't have a Savior. Jesus is the only Savior. Friend, what about you tonight? Are you saved? Do you want to be saved? I, I, guess, I guess the best time anybody could get saved is when the Holy Spirit is drawing. No man cometh to the Father but to me except the, the Spirit draw him. My Father draw him. I think he draws through the Holy Spirit. That drawing, that drawing, that drawing. Oh, my friend, that's, that's, that's a time to, 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 to yield to God. It's when you sense that drawing of the Holy Spirit of God. And don't resist him. Don't resist him. I thought last night, surely we'd have a landslide. What a message. What a message. I got three, two sisters that have never been saved. They're, one of them just turned 70, the other just turned 65 and went on her social security. I have a mother that'll be 89 years old, the 17th of this month, and I have a brother that's backslidden. And knowing what they know and have seen what they've seen and heard what they've heard and to die in their sins. Friend, if I was going to plan to be lost, I'd rather be in the dark, dark jungles of Africa, never having heard one message, heard one gospel song, having never heard one, and knowing absolutely nothing about the Lord Jesus. I'd rather go to judgment like that. He that knew his Lord's will and did it not will be beaten with many Jesus said concerning Tyre and Sidon, if the works that have been done in you would have been done in Sodom and Gomorrah and have seen what you people have seen, they'd have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And I say unto you, it'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than it will be for you. Friend, what are you going to say to Jesus? When you stand and look directly into his face and his eyes, what, what, what excuse are you going to give to him? You'll be speechless, my friend. There'll be nothing you can say. Then you go off into that dark eternity with a haunting memory. I didn't have to come here. I didn't have to, I, I, I didn't have to be where I'm going. It was my choice. It was my decision, my choice. Nobody made me come here. It was me. 
And you'll have eternal regret and eternal sorrow forever weep. I have a tape. I have a tape. And the title of it is, What's All This Screaming About? You ought to hear it. Some years ago, the Russians drilled a deep, deep, deep place in the earth. I'm not sure which. I'm not sure. It might have been in Russia. I'm not sure who it was. But there were a bunch of, bunch of engineers, and they went down three miles into the bowels of the earth. And they began to hear a sound. And they, they, they recorded what they, they heard, and I heard that sound. They heard people in hell. Oh, millions upon millions screaming. And you, I, I remember one, one woman's boy seemed to stand out, wailing, weeping, crying, and screaming. Millions of them. Man, you could hear them. You could hear them. And those engineers were so scared, they packed up their tools and left and went home. Screaming in hell. <laughs> While we're here tonight, multitudes are down there screaming in hell. And if you don't get saved, friend, one of these days you'll be right there with them screaming. And you'll remember this camp meeting forever and all the camp meetings that you've ever been in. <laughs> Every message you ever heard, it'll come back to haunt you forever. So I won't know nothing when I, yes, you will, the rich man said, said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus back to my house and tell him to testify to my brothers that they don't come where I'm at. Somebody said, well, if I go to hell, I'll have plenty of company. Honey, you want none of your loved ones to come where you're at. He said, they'll repent if somebody goes back from the dead. He said, no, they have Moses and they have the, they have the word of God. And if they won't believe that, they wouldn't believe Lazarus if he, if he, if he went back with a, uh, the rich man, if he went back, you know, if he had, if he had to smell a sulfur all over him, said they, they wouldn't believe. They wouldn't believe. You can be saved tonight, friend. I don't, I don't know any reason why you couldn't be. You know, you know what you ought to do. You say, well, I don't feel like it tonight. You know what I believe? If, you, if you're not saved, if you'll get up and take one step toward the Savior, He'll help you take that next step. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fight. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. Keep passing in.